Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing, and mind-numbing. Enjoy. Smug. Confident. Secure because you are sane. Do you know what madness is or how it strikes? Have you seen the demon? The surge through the corridors of the crazed mind? Come with me. Into the tormented, haunted, half-lit night of the insane. This is my world. Let me lead you into it. No power on Earth can exercise the terror from scum of the Earth. Okie dokie, folks. I'm Frank Bonacci, and I'm the scum of the Earth. I have a very specific setup for sleeping. Okay, so the TV needs to be on. On my specific model of TV, the volume needs to be exactly at 10. 11 if the air conditioning is on. That is the volume that's just loud enough to hear if I wake up, but not loud enough to wake me up. Currently, Carol Burnett is the sleep show. That is the show that me and my wife have mutually agreed upon. A lot of negotiation goes into what show gets that slot. Oh, it gets ugly. But the TV is only the failsafe if the first measure is compromised. The first measure is a cheap headband with Bluetooth speakers that I got off eBay. I call it my bedphones. This plays stuff as I sleep, but they have a tendency to slip off during the night. I'm looking into something with helmets currently. When they do, that's when Carol takes over. Why do I do this? Because my subconscious, when left to its own device, is like a fucking broken record. How many times can you dream about your teeth falling out or being trapped under the weight of your own failures before it comes trite? I get it. I need to go back to therapy. Get a new playlist. The bedphones and TV are essentially the duct tape solution till I eventually get around to accepting the fact that I need help. What I listen to is generally old comedy albums or shock jockey stuff like Opie and Anthony or old Stern clips. But recently I've started putting on, okay, we'll get back to that. I kind of want to make a separate point, but they kind of line up in my head. Do you have time? Okay, so it's 2003, and I'm having the worst weekend of my life up to that point. I'm in Syracuse, New York. Ever been? I thought it was a shithole. I was visiting my then-girlfriend, who just started going there. We were going to attempt the long-distance relationship thing, and as soon as I got there, I knew this was not working. Well, she decided to be a true showman about it and let me fly up to visit her so I could see her and the guy she was cheating on me with cuddling on the couch in the common area while he played Super Nintendo. I mean, a phone call would have done the job. Anyway, we have a huge blow-up fight, and I'm calling the airport to get an early flight out. Here's the thing about Syracuse. It snows a bunch there. So not only can I not get an early flight out, but it turns out I have to stay an extra couple days. I have no money for a hotel, so I have to share the dorm room with this asshole till Tuesday. And her roommate, who is actually really sweet. I'm not going to say anything bad about her. She, well, she kind of sounded a little like Alfred Hitchcock when she spoke. Oh, are you going to be saying for Tuesday? <laughs> she did, which isn't at all awkward. Well, Tuesday comes and I'm finally able to get out of there and things were totally over between me and her. Yep. Completely done. I took her back. I know, I know. Look, at that time in my life, me and self-esteem hadn't been formally introduced yet. You know how things ended? She came back on winter break, borrowed my Family Guy DVDs, and I never saw her again. Eh, that, that one's on me. Fool me twice, shame on me. So what is the point of this? Are you just using your platform to rag on ex-girlfriends? Well, well, yes, but th there was a point. So the first night that I had my heart ripped out, I needed something to watch to sleep. So I commandeered Shithead's laptop and went through her burnt DVDs, which I taught her how to do, by the way. The only thing I could put on that could make me feel better in this horrible time was, for some reason, A Nightmare on Elm Street. If you're listening to a Bloody FM show, I could assume you're a horror fan. And as a horror fan, you know it's weird contradiction. It's comforting. The Freddies, the Chuckies, the Blobs. They're like a warm blanket. On that horrible night in Syracuse, the only thing that could help me sleep was a dream monster guy who killed you in your sleep. Isn't that weird? And with that, I'm so happy to welcome the person who possibly best exemplifies that lovely paradox of horror, the newest addition to my nightly sleep playlist. See, I told you to get back to it. And the host of the incredibly, deservedly popular Scary to Sleep, Miss Shelby Scott. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Do you agree about horror? Oh, definitely. That's why I started my show. It's weirdly comforting. I've always found it like an escape. So it was like other people probably do too, right? Either I'm going to be this weirdo with this podcast out there that no one listens to and that's fine or find an audience. And luckily the latter happened. So <laughs> how did the show start? I've always wanted to be a writer, like a horror writer, like write horror movies or novels. 
And I was kind of in this weird place where I'm like, I don't know what to do. I had like six roommates at the time. They were all dudes. They all worked in video games. And so I like, I had a story of mine that I posted on Reddit, on the subreddit, No Sleep, uh, get accepted to the No Sleep podcast. And the thrill of having like voice actors read my story was incredible. And after that, they rejected the rest of the stories I sent in. <laughs> no Shade, though, I, I totally get it. But I was like, I think these are kind of good, though. And what if I started my own podcast? My husband had this like old microphone that he had gotten for Christmas, like several Christmases before that he'd never done anything with. And I was like, can I use this? And I just decided to start this show. The first episodes, you can tell I had no idea what I was doing because I was talking into the wrong side of the microphone. Uh, I was the first episode came out and then I didn't have another episode for like another month because I didn't know anything about consistency and schedules. I wasn't doing this. Oh, for... that's a hard lesson. The whole yeah. you have to. OK. Oh, that's done. Now do it again and again and yep. again and again. And add oh, more. yeah. Oh, and if I would have known anything back then, I wouldn't have blocked myself into now I'm a weekly show. And so many people I've met, especially audio dramas and like audio fiction, they're like, I why would you do this weekly to yourself? Why? Like, just because I was stupid and I didn't know any better. <laughs> right. It just started, like for us, it just started out like, well, Chris, my cousin, Chris Feinstein of Haunted yeah. American History, he's been doing this for a while and he's the same thing. Like he was doing it as a hobby and then it just, you know, it starts snowballing. It Those just, numbers start yeah, coming up. Yeah. And you're like, well, I got to keep doing this. And <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh no, people are listening now. I got to, I got to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I got an, uh, an email from Apple. It wasn't even Apple podcast yet. They hadn't started that. It was still like just iTunes and mm. they were like, Hey, we put you in the new and noteworthy category. And I was like, that's cool. I'm a nerdy Android user. I don't know what that <laughs> is. <laughs> like, thanks. And so I had to ask my husband who has an iPhone. And I was like, what is this? Can you look it up? Can you see if I'm on there? And he was like, holy shit. He was like, look, you're like on iTunes and you're like this. And it was wild. And from there, the show just like blew up. In fact, this is so embarrassing. I was going through my emails recently, some old emails trying to find some like work stuff. And I found this email I had sent my host site at the time. I was with Audio Boom initially. Mm -hmm. And I had sent them this <laughs> so embarrassing, this email. And I was like, the plan that I'm paying for only says that I'm I can get up to 10,000 listens and I all of a sudden I have like a bunch of listens. Do I have to pay more or are you going to like cut off my show? Like this like very naive question to ask Audio Boom. And from there Audio Boom was like, "We need to talk. We need to talk about like monetizing your show." And I was like, "Monetizing? So what'll what'll I get? Like I don't know, like 10, 20 bucks here and there and like I was, I knew nothing about the industry. I like was a target. I'm so glad no one took total advantage of me and put me in some horrible contract because they could have, <laughs> they could have. Oh, I'm still in that Mark stage. I have no <laughs> idea. Like, cause what happened yeah. was it was just like, I, yeah, I wasn't in podcasting. I don't really even listen to podcasts to be quiet. I didn't literally listen to podcasts. Mm -hmm. My cousin said, Hey, you want to do a show where we talk about twilight zone? And then it just became sure. Then it's just like, yeah. I did an interview and it's just like, I want to do an interview show too. And then we have another show. It's like, hey, this, and it's just like now I have four shows weekly, and it's a I edit bit three addictive. of them. It's like, wait, what's happening? Yeah. That's the thing I wanted to ask you too. This thing is addictive. It is. It really it, is, especially uh, when you start getting your audience and you know people are listening, and it's like, I'm talking to real people. What really got me was not just the numbers, but when I started getting emails from people from like different countries, and I was like, people in India can hear me like right now, <laughs> you know, it's the immediacy, like where I came from a film background, where if you get fans or anything, anybody watching your stuff, it takes a long time. And this is like, I recorded on Monday, I put it out on Wednesday. And then I have people like, yeah, texting me or like yes. writing me back. And it's like, wait, what's going on? Like I have friends from high school. I haven't seen in years. Like, oh my God, that whole bit you did about Clyde uh, from the any which way about lose movie had me dying. I'm like, that's crazy. It's just like, it's, like, it's so hey, funny you say that because that's when I get like the most warm hearted is when I hear from people from my hometown and are like, my mom will be like randomly, like, I just met someone who listens to your show. And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I don't know why there's something heartwarming about that. Like I yeah. was such a like nerd growing up. I was very invisible, like in high school and things. So to know that there are people who like now know who I am in such a different capacity, it's really, first of all, it's just bizarre. And it's like, oh, that's kind of nice. <laughs> like, look at me. <laughs> 
Right. And it's also when you say like you're a writer or you work in film or something like that, you it's like now you have proof to your family. See, I'm actually doing something. There's actually a record of me actually doing stuff. It's like that keeps them off your back. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I know some of my family, they joined my, I have a Facebook group for the show that's really popular. And like some of my family joined it. And every holiday, they're like, people just like, they like talk about you like you're somebody. And I'm like, yeah, it's pretty crazy. And it's like, yeah, it's so weird. And it's weird for them to like see it too. You know, because I'm just, again, like nobody to them. And it's like, why are people talking about you like you're someone cool? You You live in L.A., right? You're not from there, which is unusual because usually people who live in L.A. are from there their whole lives. Where are you from initially? I'm from Southern California, so I'm not too far Oh, so you're not that far. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you were like me in this where it just kind of a thing that just sort of got thrust upon you and you got stuck on the wheel. And now I'm asking you because I'm I'm relatively new at this. How do you find time to have a life of any kind? Uh, I'm asking well, for you, a friend. If, <laughs> if you know, then please let me know because I oh, have okay. no idea. I lost like a couple friendships early on because once the balls did start rolling and I realized like I can do this, like this could be a career. I'm like you where I wasn't super familiar. I like I listened to a couple podcasts, but like only like one or two. And so I was so unfamiliar with the industry that I, I honestly didn't know it was an industry, you know, and it was possible right. to make into anything. And as soon as I realized that and I was just some background actor, failed writer in Hollywood, then I was like, oh, well, this is what I'm going to focus on. And like I started this like schedule for myself where I was working full time, but I was also working on the show full time. And there was like a few friends of mine who I was like, okay, we can meet for lunch and we're meeting for lunch. I'm telling you two hours and I got to go. And they thought it was crazy and they thought it was ridiculous. And it was, I don't know, I hate the whole grind set thing, but I kind of, that was my headspace at the time. Like I got to just pump this out and then it never stopped. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's weird. I feel bad when I like have a couple hours and I'm not doing anything. I'm just sitting, I could be doing something. I could be editing this. It's like, oh God. Like, especially your show, which has a lot of really, as, by the way, your show is incredibly, the production is beautiful on the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank and you so, so much. I, I respect the work that goes into that. Do you do all that yourself? Do you have people helping you now at this point? I know, point? I do it all myself. Oh, I still boy. do it all myself. That's <laughs> the thing. Scary to Sleep is the one where I'm like still very particular about how it's done. It's just my baby. And so I still am a one-man show when it comes to that particular show. Yeah. <laughs> now, what are your other shows? Oh, uh, today's uh, a special day that we're recording this is the day that the Spanish language version has yes. launched. Dormir o morir, which is sleep or die, which I've gotten a few people have asked about, like, they're like, did you not know how to translate scary to sleep into Spanish? Because that doesn't translate. And I'm like, no, it's just pretty wordy in Spanish. And so me and my editor and translator decided to change the title a little bit. Yeah, it's I'm very excited. This Speaking of like this kind of snowball effect where it's like I never thought I'd get to a point where there'd be any right. interest in me having a Spanish language version of the show. And so I have three voice actresses who are incredible. I basically, which was to talk about bizarre, auditioning people. To be you. <laughs> to be me, to be me. That's why we, we we landed on like three different voices who were like similar to me in different ways. His name is Memo. He's been amazing. He's my editor. He translated all my stories for me. He edited the show together because it's just he he hit all the beats really well. And I don't know. It's just been incre- an incredible just experience watching it get put together. So, yes, it is out now. If you speak Spanish or want to get better at Spanish, Domir o Morir, it's available everywhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> How I found your show is because we have our show at Bloody Disgusting. And I asked Chris Feinstein, I'm like, what else is out there? It's like, I don't know who should I listen to? It's like, I, it's like, should I meet the neighbors? Should I, should, should I introduce myself to people? <laughs> I don't know. And he's the one who said, he's like, you should really listen to Scary Steve. That's that's his favorite oh, show. Oh, that's really nice. We followed each other on Twitter for like such a long time because I was the same way. When I joined Bloody Disgusting, I was like, I got to meet these people. I got to be friends. We got to all be buddies. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So it made, your show made it into my sleep thing. It's exactly what I was saying before. It was like, it's creepy and scary and you get into some really dark places, but then there's baking tips and it's comforting. It's oddly comforting. Now you've got such a great polished delivery, which I'm still working on, as you could hear. 
But like, was that like a shock listening to your own voice? If you're like me, like I was like, ugh, when you hear your own voice. Initially. Yeah, it was, you know, I didn't have as much of a shock. I know a lot of people are like that. Like uh, most people I talked to were like the first time I heard myself recorded, I hated it. And I honestly think I was so more focused on like, are people going to like these stories since I had written them myself? I was more focused on the stories that I kind of didn't even think my voice was an afterthought. I was really into ASMR. I still am. So it was like, I don't think I have an ASMR voice, which apparently I kind of do-ish you now. Do. <laughs> but at the time I was like, I'm just going to kind of mimic my favorite ASMR people. And hopefully I'm, I was more worried about people liking the story than my voice. And I think I was, right. luckily I was so hyper-focused on that, that I didn't even have the phase of, do I like my voice or not? <laughs> It's like you're so afraid of flying. You didn't realize that nobody was flying the plane. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And my, I had a few reviews actually in the early days that were people who hated my voice. So that was also I was just like, I don't know. I'm just going to keep going anyway. Again, can't focus on it. I can't change my voice. So <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the ones that I've gone to that I've made like a little playlist for myself to sleep are the guided nightmares, which are very ASMR. They're my favorite. Yeah, those, I love those. I love them, too. They're just a weird thing I invented again because of my love of ASMR and horror. And I was like, I can combine these and I think it'd be cool. And I still really enjoy them. I've really enjoyed doing them. And I feel like they're where I really touch more into the ASMR and kind of weirdness of that aspect than the regular show. So that's why I have a lot of fun with them. Yeah, I, you can tell you have a lot of fun with them. <laughs> So you recently did some live shows with uh, John Grills from Creepy and Pacific Obadiah, who has the greatest name on the face of the earth, by the way. Right. Yeah, oh it sounds God. like a Bond villain. I yes, love that name. I agree. I did. I did a live show in Chicago with them and it was bananas. Like it was crazy. I honestly don't even ask me about the show itself because I blacked out. Don't even remember being on stage. <laughs> that, that's a big transition. Like, is that one of those moments where, like this started as a little weird hobby thing and now I'm doing this live for people? Oh. Definitely. When they first came to me about like, hey, we might do a live show. I was like, that's nah, not going to happen. <laughs> I don't know. I just I was pretty like pessimistic, not because of them, but just in a like their shows are bigger than mine. I was the I was the smaller show of the three. That was one thing that was happening when we were rehearsing and things. John was so sweet because I was like, I just feel like I mean, most of the audience is going to be here for you guys because we were going to do a meet and greet afterwards. And I was like, I'm just going to get to get a drink and you guys are going to meet your fans. I don't know why I was in this headspace. Just numbers wise, like I said, they're bigger than me. And John was like, you know, I think you'll really be surprised. And like, you really shouldn't say that and blah, blah. And sure enough, the meet and greet is what I remember. Thank God. So if you were at the meet and greet, I do remember that part. Don't remember being on stage. But the meet and greet was, I mean, the internet and like looking at your analytics and seeing your numbers grow is one thing. And it's very exciting. Getting ads, getting more opportunities is exciting. But there was nothing like sitting in front of people, real people who were like, I know who you are. I love your show. Can I please have a hug? Can you please sign this thing? Let me tell you how this meant to me. I mean, I heard personal stories of the ways that like my show had touched people that I will never, ever forget. I will never forget. It was incredible. That's the thing about audio. I wasn't like the biggest podcast person, but I've been like a talk radio fan for like years, Stern and all that. And it really, it's the most personal. It's the people are talking to you for hours. When you start listening to somebody for like years and years, you're like, oh, he's going to get into like, you kind of know their ticks. You kind of and it feels like they're talking to you because your brain doesn't really, in a sense, doesn't understand the difference, like the, the yes. base parts of your brain. So it's just like they're talking to me mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's really the most personal thing. So it's like, yeah, I, it's I haven't met anybody who I'm like that I listen to like like Stern or anybody like that. But it's like, yeah, it's like, then you've got to have that moment where, wait, I don't actually know this person. It's just yeah. like, I mean, I, oh, yeah. I'm rational, so I understand that. But this, I'm yeah. sure there's other people who don't. There definitely are. Uh, <laughs> I can say that uh, based on some emails I've gotten. Um, but yeah, I've actually, I've had extensive conversations with fellow podcasters about parasocial relationships. And I feel like that can just have a negative connotation, but I feel like there is a good thing about that because I'm the same. I'm the same way. I have people who I've listened to every day or every week for years. I And I've met a few, I've gotten to meet a few people. Like I'm a big fan of like last podcast on the left and I've gotten to mm -hmm. meet them in person and like hearing this person's voice, like you said, audio is so it's like intimate almost. Yes. And like meeting this person and hearing their voice out loud is is wild. It's like, and you really do have this moment of like, not that you don't think of them as a real person like rationally, but there is a part of your brain that's like, oh my God, my friends here, they're here in person and they're like a real person. And it's, it is weird how our brains work and do things like that. <laughs> yeah. 
like you have to like actually say it out loud. It's like, I actually don't know this person. It's just like yeah. not really out loud, but like you like that part of your brain where it's recording those things, it's going to the same place as anything else. So it's like you actually, the higher parts of your brain have to like just make that distinction for you. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. And so many people do. Like, I love when people are like, it feels like you're a friend to me. And I'm like, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad because there are so many people out there who need a friend. I've been there before where I've needed a friend. And sometimes someone on the internet was that friend or like a parasocial type thing. But yeah, you do definitely have to take that step back though and be like, this isn't, they don't actually know who I am. So I can't walk up to them and like, we are friends. Cause like, again, back to the disturbing emails I've gotten. Some people definitely forget to take that moment and take that beat. <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't, it didn't occur to them at all when they're writing that email at all caps. <laughs> oh God. All caps talking about murdering my husband because. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've gotten it all. It's, it's, it's great. I'm sure you appreciate that sentiment. Oh, fully. Totally. <laughs> Love the ones where it's like, I, I wish I could watch you sleep. I wish I could kiss you on the forehead when you're sleeping and your husband wasn't there. Thank you. I'm going to call the police. I hope I get, you know, it's weird. That's horrible. But at the same time, I hope I get to that point where I have somebody wanting to just murder me in my side. I, you know, I, admit, I will fully admit my toxicity on this show. There is a part of me, as much as it like freaks me out and I want to lock my doors a little extra, there's a part of me that's like, you know what? We made it. <laughs> <laughs> I used to joke when the show was like growing. I used to joke with my friends and I probably tweeted it before too, where I was like, you haven't made it until someone's writing fan fiction about you. And I've gotten fan fiction about me. Wait, you so. have fan fiction. Not, hey, I don't know if it's available online, but I have, have had it emailed to me. My so. wife just gasped in the other room. <laughs> that's amazing. She's like, yes, right? that's amazing. It is amazing. That's it's, and again, it's probably not something I should encourage, but every single time it makes me feel a little bit like here I am. Yeah, I really did it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want some fanfic with me and Sonic because that's, you know, you've really made it because those people are committed Sonic fans. Oh, the Sonic. Yeah, right. <laughs> Wait, okay. Have you have you gone down that dark hole? Yes. Doesn't it make you feel sad for society? <laughs> it's just like, how did this get here? Like, I read one with Sonic and Shrek. I don't want to get into what it was. I, I wasn't right for a few days. I'm like, this is really we're here, huh? <laughs> the ones honestly that get me are the self insert, like when it's like One Direction kidnapped me on an island type ones. <laughs> And you're right. It's like there's a moment of like, I'm sad for society, but I'm happy for me because I get to read this right now. <laughs> As someone who used to feel like a huge freak, I'm like, everybody let it fly. Let your freak flag fly. Yeah. I, and so this is me, again, toxically encouraging more fan fiction because it delights me, even if I do have extra security on my doors now. <laughs> Listen, I might have to um, I might cut that part for your own sake. I don't think you really you. Didn't. That's fair. That's fair. In fact, you should just leave in the part that you just said where you're cutting it and let people wonder. <laughs> I, done. So you want to write horror. So you're a big horror fan. What was some of your favorite horror films growing up? Oh, yeah. I've been a horror fan for forever. My mom and her family are really into just the paranormal in general. So my mom and I were always really into like, and I still lean towards these as my favorite is haunted house type movies like Poltergeist and things like that, like Haunting of Hill House, A Haunting, like those movies, like, God, it's so hard to think of. And now that I'm immersed in the world of horror and it's like my whole job, it's hard. It's actually hard to remember like which ones were my foundational ones. But I grew up like loving horror. She bought me this set of books before of when I was a kid and it was like all of Edgar Allan Poe's work and everything. And she was like, you should read these. Here's the pit and the pendulum. You would love this. And I was like really young. And I was way too young reading Stephen King, as I know so many horror fans have talked about. You that know? happens to a lot of people. Like, I think a lot of people, like I remember reading Four Past Midnight, his collection of one of his mm -hmm. collections of short stories, like when I was 10. I don't know why I had it. Right? It's just like, it's just I like Steve, when you're a kid at like a certain time, a certain like in the 90s or whatever, it's just like, Stephen King books were just so all the place you couldn't help they but read. They were everywhere. Them. They were everywhere. And I think, you know, like I've read his book on writing a few times. And he I talks love about, on writing. Oh my God. I've read it like four times. And he talks about how he doesn't use like $5 words. So I think to that age, it's even though it's adult content, it was understandable to a right. kid. And I feel like that's why his work tends to find people who are way too young to be reading it. So definitely he was my first foray into like really getting obsessed with modern day horror. Again, my mom would show me like Edgar Allan Poe and stuff, but this was like finding out that he has a billion books was like, I just remember the joy of like, there's like a whole like shelf of him in the library. Oh my God. 
<laughs> I remember when they released, this is how old I am, when they finally released the unedited version of The Stand. Oh, yeah. I read that in junior high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was like, okay. Because I read that in high school because I remember the TV movie was coming out, the miniseries. And I oh, remember, yeah. so let me read the book beforehand. And it was just like such a badge of honor that I read this 1200 page, which I wouldn't do. Like if a t- teacher made me read rem- a book, I'm not reading it. Yeah. I remember that feeling of like, just feeling so fucking proud of myself because yeah. I read this long ass book. <laughs> It's like, yeah, I did that. And yeah, the, it said unedited on the cover. So it was just this like, oh, God, just budding, you know, horror edgelord's dream that I was in junior high. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite quotes from on writing, and it always I always bring it up is uh, when he says the boss is the boss. And it's like because sometimes you want to step out of the things you like to write. But it's mm-hmm. just like, but when I sit down, this is what comes out of me. So yeah. like every time I try to write a comedy, it's like. Why is this about clinical depression again? It's because the boss is the boss. And it's like, all oh, right, Stephen King told me about this. Definitely. You know, what's so funny is since I've been writing and since the show's been on for so long, I have people pick up themes in my work that I haven't ever picked up just because when you are in control of your own work, you're like, you kind of notice. But then when other people are like, this is clearly your work because of this or this. And it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, that's another thing. As a writer, it feels good to be like, cool, I have a style, I guess. A bag of themes. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I mean, you don't want to get too into it to where you're like repeating yourself, but it is. it did feel kind of cool. Like like I said, just having a, a style felt nice to realize. Yeah, because when, when you first start writing anything, you're just grasping at straws at like <laughs> what, here's the things I like putting together, not necessarily understanding why you're doing it. Yeah, but then and eventually- it's like a derivative of everything that you like at the time, especially right. when you're younger. It's just kind of like not a copy, but like anybody could read it and see what you were inspired by, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah, if you read anything i written when I was in high school, it's like, wow, you sure like Evil Dead 2 and Monty Python a lot, huh? Don't you, Frank? <laughs> oh, yeah. Mine was, you read a lot of Anne Rice, maybe too much Anne Rice. Maybe <laughs> don't read any more Anne Rice. That's how that's how all my writing was. <laughs> I remember, way, talk about reading something way too young. My mother had a copy, which is kind of gross now that I think about it. Oh, I already know Sleeping what you're going to say. Bo- the Sleeping yeah! Beauty book. The Sleeping Beauty books. Yep. Oh, yeah. I got that one of those. That was a shock. <laughs> When I was too young, too. I, yeah, I think I was like, I don't remember how old I was. And then me and my friends passed it around because I told them, because my mom like bought it for me at some bookstore because she's like, you like Anne Rice. And even though it was under a pseudonym, by then she had already, everyone knew who it was. Yeah, blah, right. blah. And I remember, I don't even have it anymore because I, it was like the dirty book my friends and I passed around. Like, you will not believe what's in this book. Oh, so, yeah. That, yeah. The, the same exact thing. It's like, <laughs> I just, it's like my friend, I'm like, I got this book of Sleeping Beauty I just found in my mom's oh, room. Oh, yeah. This shit's insane. And this is the time before internet porn was the way it's accessible now. So it's like, this was like juicy. Like you couldn't just go online and like get whatever, you know, kink you wanted. So this book was just like, holy shit, people like this is, do people do this stuff? Like what? (laughs) I can't watch the Disney movie ever again. I can't like, it really messed me up. I was like, I remember being just like, just uncomfortable. Innocence is gone. Yeah. (laughs) It's like you might as well had Mickey Mouse doing that stuff. It was just like, no, that's not right. Especially when you picture her as a person. She's like this tiny little petite lady. And like, it's like, you wrote this. You look like my aunt. Right. She's like a night. That's when I finally saw her. Like, Anne Rice. she looks like the nicest, like an old lady. Like, yeah, she looks like a nice aunt. With her little like, bob. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, and she writes this smut. The filthiest <laughs> smut. The filthiest smut. I mean, even like the vampire stories are just like, even though there's nothing physical, like they can't, boy, those horny books, as people would like say nowadays. Oof, yeah. Vampire Lestat, I remember reading when I was young. That that blew me away, Vampire Lestat. Mm-hmm. Out of the, all that whole series, I remember not liking Memnock the Devil, but it's been a long time. Maybe I should read it again. I had a friend borrow a copy of Memnock the Devil, and I was older. I was working at this coffee shop, and she and her husband were very Catholic. But I told her, I was like, there's a lot of Catholic themes in here. And her husband found it. Technically, yeah. It's about her Genesis hus- and all that. Yeah. Yeah. There's Jesus is in there at some point. <laughs> right. um, and her husband found it and destroyed my copy of Memnock the Devil. It was like, oh, my God, I am the satanic panic in my own friendship. Look at me. Wait, he like he destroyed it. Because he destroyed of- because it said the devil. And I guess he flipped through it. And I don't know exactly what passages he saw that bothered him. But she had like I, I realized she hadn't returned it. And I was like, oh, are you liking the book? Like, 
don't worry, take as long as you need. But like, I was just wondering if you liked it. I haven't heard about it in like a couple months. And she was like, yeah, yeah. And then like a few weeks later, she's like, I have to admit my husband found it and he destroyed it because he didn't want devil worship in our house. And it's like, oh, he's on that kind of trip then. He's like, he's serious. He's committed. Yeah. I was like, ah, all well, good right. luck with that whole scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, at least I don't, it's like, at least I don't have to go home to that. <laughs> right. Oh God. I know. I, well, I was like, you could have just given it, give yeah, it back it's like, to me. Yeah. We won't need that. Like he was so incensed. That it's like he didn't want it destroyed. in the world. Yes. <laughs> it needed to be gone from this earth. Yeah. It was so funny though. It was like Satan himself looked down upon me or up upon me because literally a few weeks later, I was in a thrift store and found a first edition copy of it. And I was like, oh, well, here we go. <laughs> I got my copy back. It's fine. One of my earliest things, and this is the thing about horror when you're young. Like I remember my first experience that I remember is my brother and I was five years old watching Dawn of the Dead with a friend of his. Yeah. And he's just kept, and that movie's weird in that it's very funny in places, especially when yeah. the biker gang that yeah. comes in. I he'd show he's like, Frank, come in, you're gonna love this scene. And it'd be somebody being eaten and something horrible. And I'd run out <laughs> screaming. Then he's like, Look, the zombies are getting a pie in the face. It's funny. I'm like, yay. And then somebody's getting eaten again. I'm such an easy mark that he just kept hitting me back and forth with this that yeah. I kept doing it. But then that's the thing. You that's the thing about horror is that when you hit it young, you're terrified of it. But when you're young, fear and fascination kind of go hand in hand. It's like, I don't like that. But what is that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I was always into gore. I was definitely a Ron.com kid. And oh, um, God, Rotten.com or Consumption oh, yeah. Junction or all those sites. Yeah, all those sites. And like my dad was like, Ogre. Yeah. He, <laughs> my dad would show me pictures of like, I grew up on the border and he would be like, look, this is what happened to these cartel guys. And it's like this graphic picture of this like headless man and his head is sitting in his hands with his balls stuffed in his mouth. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I was just really desensitized. I don't know if I was desensitized or I've just always kind of had it. In fact, growing up, I had so many aunts and stuff who were like, you should become a nurse because you like gross stuff. You're okay with gross stuff. Like, why wouldn't you go do something like nursing? And I'm like, because I want to put more gross stuff into the world. <laughs> <laughs> When you're younger, it's weird, like the rotten.com. Like, I couldn't do that today. It's like when you're younger, you just. Oh, yeah. But now that I'm older, it's just like, I don't want to see anybody get a paper cut. I'm like, no, oh, don't I do that in real life. Yeah, it's so funny. I like I am still subscribed just from years ago to like different subreddits, like morbid reality and things. And, you know, it auto blurs the picture. You have to click on it. And I've got myself like, I don't want to see dead bodies anymore. It is. I, I don't know if it's like you get older and you realize your mortality a little more. I think that's what it is. I think it's that like, it wait, is. Oh, shit. When you're, when, you're young, when you're younger, it's just like, well, that's never going to be me. It's like, oh, shit, that could actually happen. Oh, I know. I look back at stuff like I was in high school when that video of the journalist who got beheaded was going around was first going around. Yeah. And I and like looking back, it's like, God, we were fucked yeah, up. That, like everybody I could never saw that. watch that now. I could never watch that now. No, it's like I don't need that in my head. No, no. The only thing I will say. I do enjoy is when animals attack people every now and again, yeah. an, an elephant in captivity goes shit house and just kills yeah. everybody. I'm like, get him, go yeah. good. Get on yeah. the scoreboard. Oh, I know. I know when they like, they find like, yeah. When they find dead poachers and stuff, it's like, yeah, oh, that's good. That I could do job elephant. Good yeah. For you. <laughs> yeah. That's when, I, when the animals get there, when they licks in, I'm good with that. <laughs> Now, what's your show that you have with your husband? Okay, that one's called Historic Hangouts. We just started it. We started a show like a while back where we were talking about places around LA that were like really historically cool. Like the Rainbow Bar and Grill was the one we did. And it's like, it used to be this club where like JFK and Marilyn Monroe would go. And now it's like a rock star bar. So we just found fascination in like the evolution of these buildings and like what their past was. So it's historic hangouts. The first couple episodes are out right now. It's every other Thursday. We did uh, Musso and Frank here in Hollywood. That had everyone, again, from JFK. He was all around here. But like Steinbeck was there and Ernest Hemingway. Like F. Scott Fitzgerald would go behind the bar and pour himself drinks. And then you have every movie star at Possible and really fascinating. And then like the next week we did the Green Dragon Tavern where like the forefathers started America, you know, and the Green Dragon was started in like 1692 or something. So we just found this fascination with places people hung out at who were notable, not just celebrities, but like that, like the forefathers and things. Are you going to do uh, El Coyote? Is that the name of the restaurant in LA? Oh, or? El Coyote. Yeah. Yeah. Um, probably. Right, right now we're all honestly taking suggestions because we would love to do anywhere, anywhere. We keep swaying towards LA stuff because we're here. Right. But like, I'd love to be, I keep telling him too. I'm like, God, there's so many places in like New York that are so fucking fascinating and so old. We need to go there and do stuff like that. And like, that's why he chose, you know, the Green Dragon because I think it's Massachusetts. I think, yeah. I think. 
if I remember right. But yeah, it's it's been a fun show. It's more of a like a passion project and it's just fun to like hang out and talk about history together. Yeah, that's what this interview show is because like just yeah. became a thing of, wait, I could just ask people I'm fans of to just talk to me and to they'll do it. Me. That's crazy. This is fantastic. Oh, I totally get it. I kicked around doing an interview show for a little bit. Like I'm just a chatterbox. I just like talking to people. And like you said, like if I can just tell someone who I'm a fan of, can you talk to me for a few minutes and I can ask you questions? Like that is so cool. Like with you and your passion project shows, it's just like, do I need to be doing something else right now? Cause I have a plate full. <laughs> But uh, shit, know, <laughs> just like your plate's full already. And then it's just like, oh, let's do it. All right. Oh, I know. That's like this historic hangouts. I brought this on and I'm like working on stuff that I'm not even like a voice on. I'm doing behind the scenes stuff for other shows for Bloody FM. And it's like, do I need this? It's like, no, it's fun. And I think it's going to be fine. And why not turn every like fun thing I have into a podcast? Because that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, eventually it's coming. Because we were talking about video games and may have to start a video. I may have to I just know. jump into that because it's mm -hmm. like I play a lot of video games and it's just like, man, I could talk a lot about them. I, I mod consoles. It's like I have things to offer on this subject. And it's like, oh, my God, you mod consoles. That's so cool. Yeah, it's fun. Oh, where is it? Oh, I don't have it with me. I have a Game Boy Advance that I I pimp the shit out of this thing. Oh, awesome. New, new IPS screen, uh, new shell, everything like I the speakers sucks on that thing. They have boards now that you could just put on and solder it on real quick. That's that that's scary soldering, by the way. Uh, oh god, it I, looks like it. It's very nerve wracking. I still can't. I'm not good at it at all. Like it's a mess. What I, it I all just gets hidden a, on the inside. It though, so yeah, like, right. Yeah. It works. That's it. I walk away. That's how I am. But yeah, one of my relaxation things is watching modding consoles or restoring old consoles. I love it. Just oh, yeah. I love those videos, especially the ones where they don't talk, which maybe sounds mean, but I just love the sounds of just oh, like though no, that's talk about ASMR. Right. Anything like there's like a bunch of channels that just restore old tools yes. and just things. I love those. I love those. When Give it's time me for the sandblaster, I yep. need a sandblaster. I've decided because I just want to take rusty things and sandblast oh, it because that is the most. When they put it in the water with the electricity and all the oh, rust floats yeah, to the God. top. Oh, oh, you're talking my language right now. <laughs> I love that shit. I, I watch hours of that, and my wife. Who's just like, I don't like it. It's just scraping and like noises. Now she's just, we'll just sit there like zombies and like yeah. two owls disappear. It's like, what I happened? Know. It just yeah, puts it you in a trance. It starts out as like, I'm just going to put this on in the background. And then you're like, oh, wait, it's, yeah, like you said, like two hours have gone by and I have watched him restore like an old tricycle, <laughs> an old like candy machine, <laughs> like uh, an old Atari. I've, I've watched it all. You know? Yeah, there's one guy who does, uh, I think, odd tinkering. He does mm -hmm. like all like the console like uh, restorations, and I I love watching that. That's how I that's how I started modding consoles. I just watch YouTube videos on it. It's just like oh yeah, and I just sit there and watch. Okay, I'll do exactly what because I'm stupid. I, I need to be told exactly what to do, and it's just some guy. Even with editing, it's like it's funny. Like I I worked as an editor for years, and I've mm -hmm. always laugh about people call me with questions it's like what's going to happen is i'm gonna take the question and just put it in youtube to find the answer because i don't know either that, like that oh that, yeah yeah that's how i find out anything i don't know how to do anything i learned more from youtube than i learned from school oh same same people always ask me how i learned to do audio editing because my show's so like ridiculous sometimes and i'm like i watched youtube i watched hours and hours upon hours of youtube videos on how to do different sound effects and how to do this and how to do that and how to make my sound sound better and blah blah, blah. i was like I just watch YouTube videos, you know? And sometimes I just grab sounds from YouTube. It's I need a very specific sound. It's like horse running through mud. I need that it's yep. specifically. And it's just oh like so, God, so it's on YouTube. Yep. Some of the most specific sounds. Like, and it's so funny because like, especially now, because I get submissions. I started the show just to do my own stories, but people started sending me stories. And I'm like, sure, I'll do this to your story. Like, that's fun. And it is fun. It, it's like a tinkering project where I, it, it almost is like, where you doing a console where I'm like, I'm taking someone else's thing and like making it into my thing not my thing but like into a different thing and the specific sound effects other people put in that I'm like okay I have to find this type of frog and it's weird scream that it does because this person has this place set here and specifically says this frog makes this sound and so yep YouTube there's always some rare frog on there yeah. so West African vomiting frog or whatever yes. the hell it is yeah. it's just like <laughs> Okay, yep. there's a sound for it. What do you prefer editing more, Scary to Sleep or the Roundtable discussion show? Because uh, that's Scary to Sleep. It's hard. It takes a lot longer and it's more specific, but it's more fun because it's not just listening to the same conversation four times. <laughs> 
know? right and trying to find the yeah. flow of it it's like what was exactly. i trying to say there because like exactly even as you've been listening i i have to find the question as i'm saying it yep. <laughs> as i'm saying yeah. it so i gotta like eventually it'll just be three words that eventually will make it to air oh yeah and i i've gotten to where i've gotten on my husband i'm like okay if you're gonna clear your throat or sneeze or cough take a beat and then start talking so I don't have to cut so delicately around your cough or throat clear or something, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. I've, oh boy. I have learned. Okay. Here's the thing about this. This whole podcasting thing is, do you just are disgusted with some of the weird verbal tics that you find out you had that you had no idea that you said, like, I say the word like every other word. I had no I say the idea. Word like every other word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's that. And like the filler words and oh, my throat clearing noises. I, I figured out how to, I've started to getting a few mic skills where I back up so you don't hear yep, right I, Mine is um, and I do this snapping sound that I didn't really realize I did. I do this like- Oh, oh yeah. I do that too. Oh yeah. Oh, I hate and it. And I'll see, it's so funny. <laughs> I can see it on the audio peak and I'm like, I didn't even realize I did it. Since I edit a lot of the shows, like I talked about this with Chris because he edits the show. It's like, do you know the waveform for your ums now? <laughs> like by heart that you don't even have to listen to it. Oh my that God, you just, yes. Yes. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh my God. Yeah. I can literally look at it. I've almost gotten to where I can look at a waveform and know what it's saying. Like there's some guy on, on TikTok who can do that and he's pretty accurate. And I'm like, I feel like I'm getting there. I'm getting my verbal. <laughs> Especially for now. mine. Yeah. For my, for me for in particular, I can see where my words are. <laughs> I know how I say, sir. Yeah. Right. You yeah. know, you know what you feel like Neo when he sees the matrix for what he did. Really oh yeah. I still double numbers. check. Like if I'm deleting a chunk of audio that I know I don't need or was like a bad take, I, I always double check, but I don't even need to anymore. I'm like, I can see where those words are. And these are the exact words I need to take out without even listening to it. <laughs> have, and I don't know if you're the case with you, but have you gotten more anal about the editing? I know I have. I can yes. just be like, all right, we'll just polish it up. Now it's, I will spend hours just oh, like, just, and I go nuts. Weirdly, I've gotten better microphones too, which are more sensitive. I use microphones that are just like really sensitive because I like that ASMR type feeling like you're in the room and it picks up every little and I've gotten to where now I go in between my words to hear like any like annoying mouth sound or sigh or breath that I don't like. I don't take out everything. So I don't because I don't want to sound like robotic or over edited, but I'm like, I really dig in there sometimes and I definitely notice my editing time has gone up. Yeah, it's just crazy. Like I, I've gotten to the point where if you'll hear the monologue when this finally airs, I get a little bit crazy. Like where it's just like, it does sound a little robotic, but I think that's kind of the style I'm going for now because it's just like, I can't stop it. I can't stop yeah. myself from doing it. It's like, that has to go. That yeah. needs to go. It has to go. I can't live but Nobody else will care. And that's the thing no. is that nobody else will notice or care. Mm -hmm. And then you listen to other people's shows where they don't do those things. And you're like, why am I doing this? Oh, well, I I'm going to do it again. <laughs> Our latest episode of Historic Hangouts, I'm actually going to be, it's so funny. We were talking about using every minute of the day to work because we had like 10 minutes until this was going to start. And I was like, I can do some editing on Historic Hangouts, but <laughs> there's a whole part where I like apologize for some of the noise bleed into our microphones. And I'm just going to take it out because I'm like, I feel like me and like other audiophiles are the only ones who are going to notice if that I don't need to give this whole speech about the audio and apologize because I feel like most people aren't even going to notice and I shouldn't point it out to them to start noticing. <laughs> I, I should put a post-it note up on the on my computer. Just nobody gives a shit no but you. <laughs> Because I, but it doesn't matter. I'll rip that off that I note know, because I, I can't know. help. It's, it needs to go. It Looking up at go. that post-it note and being like, fuck you. What do you know? <laughs> How do you know? But the thing is, I now I listen to things with an ear, like even like the most polished radio shows. I'm like, oh, oh my God, everybody does shit. But it's yeah. like they've gotten to a point, may, maybe, thank God, they've gotten to some kind of clarity where they've let go. I yeah. haven't gotten there. And I don't There's think a I particular will. show that I listen to. I won't even name it because I don't want like anyone to be weird about it. But like, it's a huge show. And they leave in all of the host's mouth sounds, like all the clicks and, and like all the gross sounds that I'm like, how, how do you not, how does your editor not go insane and take those out? Like, I don't understand. We all have mouth sounds, but you can take them out. And how do you leave them in? And how is your show so huge? And like, this is okay. And it's like, these are lessons that I need to be easier on myself. <laughs> hopefully I, I don't see like myself ever giving up the reins to the editing. I just don't trust anybody enough. It's like, no, Same. I have a very specific rhythm. I just mm -hmm. have a thing that I do, especially with zoning out. I have a very specific structure that I do. Yep. And it's like people on the show, it's like, you're editing a lot of stuff. Do you want me to take it off? How dare you ask me to take that away from me? Oh, I know. Yeah. 
scary to sleep. I've had a lot of offers for people to start editing or for whatever. And I'm like, I could never, I could never give up scary to sleep. Historic hangouts. I'm like, maybe I'll teach my husband how to edit a little bit. But even now that I've started doing it, I'm like, never mind. I thought that, but never mind. I have to do it. I have to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's nobody will be as insane about it as me. I can realize. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And now a word from our sponsors. I swear this city gets crazier and crazier every day. Hey, listen. Oh, jeez, we got a live one. Hey, buddy, the English nobleman in my teeth told me something. Hey, if you go to wnuf.bigcartel.com, you get the out there Halloween mega tape and other products. I bet you didn't know that. Did you know that the dust balls in my living room, they're there on purpose? Did you know that? Um, do you, do you want like a dollar or something? Did you just throw a cat at me? <laughs> oh my god, are you okay? I saw everything. Yeah, I think so. I'll tell you one thing though. I'm not gonna rest until I find out more about how to purchase the out there Halloween mega tape and other products from wnuf.bigcartel.com. I can tell you that much. Yes, I too would like to learn more about how to purchase the out there Halloween mega tape and other products from wnuf.bigcartel.com. heard today are pertinent to the case of Annie Marie Singleton. Seclusion. My name is Vince LaRusso. I'm a detective with the Grafton, Vermont Police Department. Seclusion. Betsy, would you introduce yourself for our records? My name is Elizabeth Stewart. Seclusion. Is there anything in your conversation to suggest that your sister was in trouble? No, she sounded. This is harder than I thought it would be. Seclusion. Seclusion. Nobody you can think of from your past who'd wanted to disrupt her life in some way. I don't know. The internet is crazy, so I... Betsy. Seclusion. Seclusion. Is there any... Seclusion. Seclusion. Conceivable reason to believe... Seclusion. Seclusion. That Annie committed those murders. Seclusion. 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 Oh, do you ever have where you leave something in that you didn't want to leave in? I, I've done this a couple times. Yeah. And 90% of the people won't even notice it. 99%. Okay. I had one time, though, when people did notice, and this is so embarrassing. A lot of people didn't notice, but I did get a few emails and I fixed it right away. So every year I have a kids episode where I have kids write stories for the show and I have like actual little horror stories written by kids themselves. They're dark, by the way. Kids are. Fucking dark. <laughs> but there was one. I'm so accurate these days. But for some reason, I think it was because it was Halloween season and I was busy and I was tired. I left in of all episodes. In one of the last stories, I left a bad take where I went, fuck. <laughs> and it's the only episode I do that is not explicit tagged. And I had a bunch of people who were like, um, I think you left something in at the end, uh, I think. And I had like a bunch of emails all of a sudden. I was like, what? 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 Did I like cough or something? What? And I listened and I was like, oh, of all episodes to leave an errant, oh, fuck in. It's the kids That's episode. Amazing. I know. That's great. So embarrassing. <laughs> I've was... done similar. <sighs> well, we're, we're filthy people on our show. So like nobody cares about that. But I've just left. Yeah, I've left bad takes in where yeah. it's like when I do my monologue and I you've heard me like repeat things where I've <laughs> left me repeating it a couple times. I'm like, oh, yeah. you idiot. Why'd you do that? That's the thing. For one, it was the kids. If it was a normal episode, I still would have been it's mortified. Really, because... It's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> because it was a bad take. It was mostly because it was a bad take. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. <laughs> I should be more upset about cursing at children, but it was more of like, oh, I left that bad taken. Oh, no. And that's the reason. Another reason I can't give it to anybody else at it because I don't know. I can't trust it. It's like yeah. this is it's like nobody can hear me like without mm -hmm. me like polishing this. <laughs> nobody can hear me naturally. <laughs> that's why it's like that transition to the live show must have been so like that. Dude, I would have been shit in my pants. I don't think I could. I, ever, I, don't. I like I said, I don't remember. I don't remember being on stage. The last thing I remember is it was kind of an echoey set of stairs and I had these big boots on. And the last thing I remember is hearing the clunk of my boots up the stairs and being like, God, this is so annoying. Like how loud my stupid boots are. And then. <laughs> 
done. <laughs> but I, then I, I came to consciousness when we were doing the meet and greet and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you have any more live shows planned? Not right now. We have a, I've been talking with like Pacific about some stuff maybe coming up this summer at some conventions, but we don't have anything specific planned yet. Because I've seen some of my, uh, the radio shows I listen to, I've like the Bonfires, a show I listen to on Sierra6M, and I've seen them live. It really is on the other end of it is a fun treat. Oh, I'm it sure. is. It is. I've been to live shows for podcasts and it's it's so much fun. I saw last podcast at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery and like that was such a trip. Like watching your favorite like true crime podcast in a cemetery was awesome. Do you remember the Thrilling Adventure Hour? That was a show for a while. Yeah, that sounds familiar. It's funny. It's one of those shows because podcasting, by the way, has gotten so big in the last few years i think since the mm. pandemic it's blown up yeah into, literally it, became, it was it went from a hobbyist thing to like major corporations oh yeah now, during like, the pandemic i was looking to upgrade my microphone just because it was time to and i couldn't find the type of microphone i was looking for because it was sold out everywhere because everyone during the pandemic oh, that's right everybody started buying yeah like, yeah yep. <laughs> yeah that's when like my cousin's chris show blew up like it's just like people yeah. just started listening to podcasts where it's like now like heavy hitting corporations are putting their money into it now yeah and it's like for a, like for a while mm -hmm. now it was just a niche like hobbyist almost thing and uh -huh. now it's become a huge thing uh, they they jumped out the thrilling adventure right before that boom and it's it was a great show it was, it was like a full cast audio drama that they put on every week and I got to see oh, them cool. live and it was amazing and yeah it's like that's why you should do more of that especially with your show especially like production of that show like if you guys get like a budget till you're like oh I know that's one thing I would love to have a bigger budget to really do sound effects and things and do I I kept asking I was like can I please hire someone to like be a ghost that wanders through the audience. So that's all I want. You want to do like some William Castle things. Some, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's exactly who I, I said. I was like, have you heard of William Castle? Because that's kind of what I want to do. I want a skeleton to fly across the theater. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big William Castle nerd. Same. Do I have a poster? Uh, yeah, I have a 13 ghost oh, uh, sweet. Uh, lobby card with the original ghost viewer. <gasps> Yeah. The ghost viewer. Oh my God. This is the stupidest, most adorable gimmick ever. It's just I like, love you it. could see either way, but it's cool. You wear a yeah. red lens if you want to see it or and a if blue wanna, lens if you don't want to see it. If you don't want to see it, if you want to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. I love, <laughs> love that. Love it. Cool. I love William Castle. You ever see a um, matinee? The uh, no. Joe, okay, Joe Dante, who if, always comes up on our shows. We're a big fan of him. Made mm -hmm. Gremlins. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he made Matinee, which is his tribute to William Castle. And it's I've, fantastic. And I've heard of that and I haven't, I've never seen it. And like every time I think about William Castle, it, of course it always comes up. People are like, this was a tribute to him. And I've never sat down to watch it. I'm going to do that. It's his best film. Like I'm a huge Gremlins fan and I love his whole work, but it's objectively his best film. You should, if you're a William Castle fan, it's worth checking out. Awesome. I will. And now I actually am thrown out of stuff to talk about. <laughs> Hour and change is, oh boy, that's going to be a long Oh yeah. That's, have fun editing this. You <laughs> yeah, know, know, just know that I feel your pain. <laughs>